0: Good morning. Good morning, humans of the world. Hello, humans. It's me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Happy Monday morning. First Monday to us in October of 2019. You can't imagine how sad I am to say that. However, um, hey, welcome to the show. Welcome back if you're new. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Uh, this is a show. I'm an idealist. My name is Ellie Krug. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I. Um, am a hopeless idealist it's the official bio which means I am trying to change the world I mean very small I'm a small person with a small you know footprint but still trying to do my part and this show is about idealism about other people who've attempted to try and change the world in one way or another and today's show is a talking head show an Ellie's talking head show unfortunately I do not have any guests I had somebody and then they dropped out and well you're just stuck with me hopefully that's all right. We try not to do that very much, but there we go. Um, So for my A block, I'd like to talk about something that will happen tomorrow. That is October 8th in Washington, D.C. Today, uh, October 7th, the U.S. Supreme Court, also known as SCOTUS, um, begins its season of oral arguments. Um, And while there are several cases on the docket today, October 7th, tomorrow, october 8th is a red letter day for the transgender community as well as for the lesbian gay and bisexual communities as well that's because tomorrow october 8th the court will hear two cases one of those cases bostock b-o-s-t-o-c-k v clayton county georgia is about a georgia man being fired bostock was an administrator at the guardian ad litem program that is a Uh, Guardian ad litem is uh, somebody who is appointed by the court to protect uh, vulnerable humans, a lot of times to protect uh, children or adults who are vulnerable. He was the administrator um, in the Guardian ad litem program for Clayton County, Georgia. Um, Got great marks for his work, um, was highly regarded. At some point, he started participating in a gay softball league um, and uh, started tweeting about it and just, you know, putting it up. On Facebook, and then um, coincidentally, he started getting criticized by county officials um, and then fired for quote conduct unbecoming a county employee. Um, That is a very important case. It's the question of whether or not federal employment law protects uh, somebody who identifies as gay or lesbian or bisexual. And while that case is important, because I'm transgender, yes, new listeners, that's why the voice sounds male, but I'm female. And if you're on Facebook Live right now, which I hope some people are, I look very female. Yes, nod your heads vigorously. Um, The case I want to focus on is another case that will be heard tomorrow, which is a case... Uh, brought by Amy Stevens, who was a funeral home director um, in Michigan and whose employer, the funeral home, fired her for coming out as a transgender woman. That case is formally identified as R.G. and G.R. Harris Funeral Homes, the EEOC, and Amy Stevens. Amy Stevens, um, at the time presenting as a male, began to work for the G.R. Harris Funeral Homes in 2007. Um, I don't have her age at the time, but I'm going to guess that she was probably in her 40s based on some pictures I'm seeing. Uh, She was diligent and conscientious. Uh, Now, she was at that time presenting as male. Let's make sure we're all on the page. She's hired, has a a male name, which I'm not going to say, identified as male at the time, even though she was transgender and even though um, she has repeatedly said that she always knew that she was a girl inside of her head, but she, you know, the trust me, same story as Ellie Krug. You just, uh, it's just very hard to figure out. And so while hi- hired by the G.R. Harris Funeral Home, she was very conscientious and worked her way up to funeral director. Um, and, of course, uh, suffered, as I just said, greatly from gender dysphoria. That is the incongruity between your brain and body. It's something I went through as well. It's where um, it just, your brain doesn't match your body. Uh, eventually, in 2013, her gender dysphoria, Amy's gender dysphoria, got to be too much. I don't know the exact reason that caused her to decide that she needed to pivot to be her true self, but often that relates to us understanding our own mortality, that life is getting short, and the last thing that anyone wants, and that was whether you're transgender or whether you're straight or whether whatever, or whether you're in a bad marriage or in a bad career or and some other thing that's not working for you. The last thing that anyone wants to do is to die with regrets about not living authentically. So Amy uh, wrote a letter to the people that she worked for. Um, She'd been with them for more than five years at that time. And in that letter, which is a common practice for transgender people when they come out, is that they don't just come and and tell you to your face, they write a letter for you, and that's actually one of the things I counsel people to do rather than not give people an opportunity to respond um, thoughtfully um, when, if you confront them um, face-to-face. She wrote a letter, explained that she was transgender, that she needed to live as her true self. She further explained that in the coming weeks or months that she had planned a vacation where she would leave work, leave the funeral home one day, dressed as a man with a man's name, and then would return after vacation dressed as a woman, a woman named Amy. I'm sure that she wanted compassion and understanding with that letter in response to that letter, but what she got instead was rejection, even hostility from the funeral homeowners. Most importantly for why I'm telling you about this, she was fired. Uh, fired from a job that she'd held for more than half a decade. The funeral home's ostensible reason was that Amy would be violating the funeral home's, quote, uniform, unquote, that is, professional clothing rule, their uniform rule, that it would be contrary to the rule for a genetic male, that is, somebody with male chromosomes, to wear female clothing, clothing. Um, And now a quoting from the funeral home's brief um, before the Iowa Supreme Court, the funeral home further asserted, quote, this is not going to work out. That's what they said to Amy, unquote, because Amy's coming to work dressed as a female was, quote, unacceptable, unquote. The Funeral Home further rationalized that Amy presenting as her true self, that is, as a woman, would be, quote, distracting to clients, uh, mourning the loss of loved ones, would have disrupted their healing and grieving process, and would have driven away many clients, unquote. This is in um, the Funeral Home's brief um, uh, as to... Um, Their position. Actually, I think this is taken from the funeral homes brief, but which in turn is shows up in the US government's brief, which I'll get to in a second. Still, there's a real disconnect here because um, the funeral home claimed that it was perfectly fine for Amy to dress and be herself as a woman outside of work, Um, which in my view doesn't make any sense because um, the problem with that is this. That's a trap for transgender people when we hear that. Oh, it's, you, you know, it's okay if you dress dressed as who you are outside of work, just at work. We want you to be, you know, um, consistent with who we hired, consistent with your chromosomes. It's a trap because if Amy... Um, suddenly can turn it on and turn it off, that is, turn on her femininity, turn on her female self, but then turn it off for work, that falls into the claim that transgender people really are making a choice. Um, That allows intolerant people to claim that living as one's true self as a transgender person is really just a choice um, and that you don't have to really be your true self at work. It is a trap, trust me. Another interesting fact, the funeral home owner, Thomas Rost, R-O-S-T, described himself as a Christian who believes, quote, God has called, called me to serve grieving people, unquote. He also believes that, quote, the Bible teaches that a person's sex is an immutable God-given gift. And that had he allowed, that is, Rost, allowed Amy to present as female in the workplace, he, the owner of the funeral home, would have, quote, violated God's commands, unquote. Here's our real reason why Amy's not allowed to be herself at work and why she was fired. Frankly, um, and I'm going to be a little smart aleck here, I'm always wondering about people who claim they have an inside loop on what God thinks or believes. I mean, do they have like the God smartphone number or connection? Sorry, I just had to be a little flippant there because, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying that they know what God believes. So really, in the end, this wasn't at all about a, a uniform at work that um, they wanted Amy to wear, that is, they wanted Amy, because she she had male chromosomes, to have to wear a male, male suit, you know, professional suit with tie and all that. Instead, this was about, this was and continues to be, this case, is about intolerance, outright discrimination and prejudice against transgender people, the claim, in the essence, that Transgender people are are abominations um, for the religious community. And that we also don't have the right to show up in public. What makes this case, Amy's professional career, even more compelling is that the federal government has weighed in on the side of the funeral home. This is owing to Jeff Sessions, back when he was attorney general, his edict that federal law, that is Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, doesn't cover sex stereotyping. Even though the law prohibits employment based on the uh, the basis of sex, that the law does not protect um, uh, genetic men who identify as female because um, that's just uh, if we show up as female, silly Krug shows up on the job as female, um, I don't need to be, that's not really truly who I am. And it's called sex stereotyping. Uh, that you would be discriminating, that you would fire me. And Jeff Sessions is saying sex stereotyping is not covered by the Civil Rights Act. So tell that to a bunch of, um, tell that to a genetic female who appears far more masculine than, than female, um, because there are a lot of those folks out there, or a lot of, of genetic men who appear more feminine than they do um, male. Um, guess what? Um, the laws, uh, according to Jeff Sessions, might not protect you either. Most of all, we've got the federal government, that is the United States Department of Justice, weighing in against Amy Stevens. Um, And that is is in a weird, but in a weird way, uh, mirroring our own politics today, there's a schism here because the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is weighing in in favor of Amy. So you got the Justice Department on one side with the funeral home and then you got the EEOC on the the side of Amy and they're all gonna be arguing from the Supreme Court, regardless of all of this, Amy Stevens is a true idealist and a true hero. Uh, She's got such incredible courage and guts. And please follow this case as it goes forward because if it does go south, I'm gonna tell you, it will not be good for transgender people or LGBTQ people in general. When we come back, we'll do uh, my B block. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail. Follow me on Twitter, at elliekrug is the handle. We'll be back in a sec hey everyone ellie krug here from ellie 2.0 radio on mondays from 7 to 8 a.m this month i'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person one opportunity is at grace lutheran church in andover minnesota on october 6 from 6 to 8 p.m there i'll be presenting my human inclusivity turning gray area thinking go to GraceAndover.org for details this is a free event That's me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, trying to make the world better. I hope to see you on October 6th at Grace Lutheran Church. Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, micro-needling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com.
1: At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. Through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews, which specialize in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hard to employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. How long till my soul gets it right?
0: We're back on AM 950. Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. All right. Well, I'm, you know, I just said that and that's partly because I'm trying to, I said that a little funny-ish because I'm trying to combat uh, what's going to be some motion that I'm going to be reporting here in a second. And um, uh, uh, I've been dreading all morning um, talking about this next segment because I know Um, It's going to grab my heart, and I'm sorry about that. You can already um, hear the emotion showing up in my voice. Um, I want to move from one idealist, Amy Stevens, now to another one who uh, sadly lost his life. Now, remember, this show is taped, um, so I'm taping this show on on September 30th. Uh, You will hear this on October 7th. Last week, Um, there was an idealist um, who was senselessly murdered. And I'm talking about the murder of um, Harris County, Texas um, deputy uh, Sandeep um, Dhaliwal, the first Sikh to be a deputy in Harris County, Texas, which is right outside of Houston. Sandeep was in a – we are talking American subdivision residential area. He made a traffic stop um, with an individual and a woman in a car. And as Sadiq was walking, and it was a normal traffic stop, and as Sadiq was walking back to his patrol car, the man got out of the car, got out of his car, ran up to Sadiq, uh, he blindsided him. Sadiq did not see this coming, the man had a gun, and he, and he shot Sadiq in the head, and he killed him. Um, Sandeep. Sandeep was 42 years old at the time of his murder, he was married and the father of three. He was called a trailblazer by many because he was the first Sikh hired as a Harris County deputy. Now, you may know that the Sikhs are a very, very oppressed minority in many parts of the world. Um, In fact, um, several years ago, there was a tragedy. There was a mass shooting at a Sikh temple in Wisconsin. The man erroneously believed that they were Muslims and uh, the killer. Um, And so the Sikhs um, have always been... On the sidelines of our country. And, and as it turned out, um, Sandeep was somebody who was recruited by the Harris County Sheriff's Department. He left the job as a truck driver from a, apparently a very lucrative career, and he left the job to become the first Sikh deputy in Harris County. And once he was there, the, the county, uh, the uh, Sheriff's Department uh, changed its policy to permit. Uh, Sandeep to wear a beard, which is part of uh, the religious um, uh, belief and and tradition for the Sikhs, as well as a turban. And after Sandeep's death, the spokesman for Houston's mayor said that Sandeep was a unifying symbol because he used his appearance as a conversation starter um, for educating what uh, Sikhs are about. Um, He had been um, uh, recruited in uh, 2008 following an incident where Harris County deputies um, maligned a Sikh family due to their ignorance about the Sikh religion. But the reason I'm talking about Sandeep is because he truly was an idealist. Not only was he a trailblazer, not only was he the first, and that is often how idealists show up, they're the first of something – But he was also somebody with a great heart. And here um, I'm going to have Brett in a second here play you an audio uh, of him um, uh, uh, last year or the year before talking – I think it was last year – talking in front of a group of other Sikhs and standing – all of them are standing in front of a trailer loaded with donated goods for first responders after Herrick. Hurricane Harvey. So the voice you're going to hear is of our idealist, of Sandeep, talking about what it, what he's trying to do. Go ahead and please play that, Brent.
2: Come here, buddy. Come here. These are the donors. Right? Yeah. Come on, buddy. Come here. Come here. Come here. Okay. And uh, Sunny. Sunny. Okay, ready? Yes, go yes. ahead. Okay, I'm Deputy Sandeep Dhaliwal with Harris County Sheriff's Office. Today, with the help and support of our donors here from United 6, Mr. Paul, Aman, Mr. Aman from <laughs> United6.org, and uh, Balraja Dhanuwa from Fairfield, uh, Fairfield, California, and Mr. Randy Bass, who's not here. they purchase Two truckload of supplies for first responders. You know first responders they're the first to call to save lives and at the same time they get affected too. You know their homes are right next to you as well. So while they're working 16 hours out th- out there so we're gonna make the community is gonna make sure our first responder along with their citizens of Harris County are taken care of. These donations are coming from all over the United States. So far we have distributed about 20 to 25 truckloads and we are committed another 10 to 15 Fifteen truckloads in Houston area. At the same time, we are working with the local uh, HISD, the school districts, trying to identify the affected schools. And we had a meeting today, and by Monday, we'll be identifying the school needs and uh, trying to help them out as well as far supplies, shoes, socks, backpacks, whatever is needed. And we're gonna help build
0: America. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so if you're watching on Facebook live, um, you're seeing me cry. Here's the deal, everyone. We, we need, we're all good to each other. I mean, the vast you know I have this saying that 98 percent of all humans have good empathetic hearts, two percent are total sociopaths. On this day last week, um, our idealists and deep met one of those sociopaths. It doesn't mean that the vast majority of humans are, are not good. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that when we when our idealists show up, we need to support them. You just heard him talk about 25 truckloads and then they were coming up with another 13. Or four. My God, you know, I mean, and of course, you know, he died at 42 years old and left a wife and three children, as I said before. And I mean, we we only get so much time on this earth and we have to make the most of it. We do. And Sandeep did that. I mean, he really did. And it, and it's incredible that he did. I mean, the outpouring um, in the aftermath of his death on on social media has been unbelievable. And in fact, I I urge you to take five minutes to read about um, this incredible idealist that we've now lost. And you know what I just said a second ago about how 98% of us are good, empathetic humans. And we are because um, we are now two days post a GoFundMe page being set up for Sandeep's family to raise $500,000. Now we are just two days past that being set up. They have already raised 37, three, excuse me, $370,000 towards that $500,000 goal. That comes from just 4,600 donors. Um, make that 4,601 because Ellie Krug's name is on there now as well. Everyone, remember the idealists. Give them your support. We don't know long, how long they will be here in our world. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio, about idealism. Thank you. I want to
2: the
1: I'm Dr. Thomas Adams, president and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. We're a social enterprise dedicated to rebuilding lives through housing, workforce development, health and family engagement, and coaching supports that give men the skills and relationships they need to succeed. Better Futures Minnesota engages men who had a history of incarceration, homelessness, poverty, untreated mental and physical health challenges to help them achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our enterprise.
0: Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, micro-needling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey, everyone. Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. I'm having an open house on Thursday, October 17th in Minneapolis. Come hear about my work and about my nonprofit, Human Ripple Works, Inc. You need to register. There's no charge, but I need a headcount. To register, go to elliekrug.com and see the upcoming engagements page. Scroll down, click on the link for October 17th to register. That's me, Ellie the Idealist, trying to make the world better. Hope to see you. We're back on AM 950, um, back after I've recovered a bit, you know, and I'll tell you something, I just need to admit something to you, and that is, I don't know how good a radio host I am, because, you know, we're not supposed to cry and all that kind of stuff, um, and I I find myself, the emotion shows up in my voice uh, quite frequently, and I don't frankly know whether that's good or, I don't know how good that is, um. But i do know this um you're always going to get an authentic um ellie krug because i spent much of my life not being authentic and um i'm not going to go out being anything but authentic all right so on this uh second uh part of my b block i'm i i'm gonna talk about my work and i know that this is usually reserved for the C block, the end of the show, and actually I'm gonna be talking about that at the end of the show as well. But given that this is a talking head show, um, I'm gonna switch things up and use part of this B block to share about a couple of things that happened to me recently. So remember, show's taped, it's, uh, it's uh, September 30. In the last three weeks um, in September, you know, the last th- most recent three weeks in September, I've been all over the place. I've been to um, Idaho, Western Massachusetts. Uh, In fact, when I was in Western Massachusetts, I was in Rachel Maddow territory. I I, um, spoke uh, for two days at Bay Path University in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. And uh, that's Rachel Maddow territory. And after one of my talks, uh, somebody tweeted that, um, uh, if you're listening, Rachel Maddow, you need to pay attention to Ellie Krug. I mean, how cool was that? (laughs) I mean, that just like made my week. Um, And most recently, uh, just last week, I was in Colorado in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And then less than 24 hours after that, after I was back from Colorado, um, I was in Mankato, uh, Minnesota. And I want to talk about um, Steamboat Springs and Mankato because in both instances, it was a religious organization, a church that brought me to town. Um, uh, and, uh, if this show was live because it's, uh, October, excuse me, September 30th, I'd be talking about another religious organization, Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota. Um, but I'm speaking there on October 6th. So you're hearing this show on October 7th. So I will have just been done speaking at Grace Lutheran. Um, so, uh, Steamboat Springs, uh, Colorado, it's... one of the most picturesque, beautiful places, I'd say in America. It is in a valley of uh, surrounded by mountains. It is, of course, a big ski town. Um, it's a big town with a lot of uh, white-colored person, people. But it also has a church there, uh, the Heart of Steamboat Methodist Church, led, led by the Reverend Tim Snyder, which has uh, created an inclusiveness committee um, headed by, or at least in part, headed by a woman named Diane Muntean. Um, they That church, Heart of Steamboat Methodist, decided that they needed to focus on inclusivity for the community, not only for their church, but for the community of Steamboat Springs. And for the most part, Steamboat Springs is area, and one would think that human inclusivity would not be at the top of anybody's list in that community. Yet it is largely because of the heart of Steamboat Methodist Church. They've gone on, that church, the heart of Steamboat Methodist Church has created a series called, quote, being human, colon, a series of inclusivity, which focuses on, quote, how to be more welcoming to anyone who is, quote, other, unquote. Um, And if you know my work, Ellie Krug, if you've ever heard me speak, if you've ever heard me train, you know that, critical component of my work is talking about how to be more welcoming to anybody who is other or different from quote us. So the Steamboat uh, Springs uh, Methodist Church, Heart of Steamboat has a ser- They've created a four part series. Um, it started with my signature training, gray area thinking, which is a tool set on how to be welcoming to anyone who is other. As I just said over the next year, Um, They're going to bring in speakers and leaders to cover other areas of how people are treated differently or thought of as other. And so session two will be uh, being human. uh, Their series is titled Being Human, Being Human with Differently Abled Community Members. Session three, um, which will take place, session uh, two is in November, session three is in January. That's titled Being Human with Our Immigrant Community Members and then session four is titled uh being human with our economically struggling community members and as it turns out there are five sessions the fifth session the fourth will be in february and the fifth will be in march and that's titled being human with our community members struggling with addiction and mental health issues i've just got to tell you this is a phenomenal phenomenal human inclusivity program being put on by the heart of steamboat um methodist church um and and uh there's a whole lot of cost uh, associated with doing that. I mean, they had to bring me out to Steamboat. I, I, I mean, I'm not uh, exorbitant, but I charge for my time and, and and expenses, of course. And then way more than that, all kinds of hours involved with uh, the committee that they created to bring off uh, to pull off this "Being Human" series um, with the heart of Steamboat Methodist Church. And what they did is they thought outside the box. Um, and uh, in a variety of ways, and that included bringing in a collaborator and a funder, the local community health organization, that is the health partnership, headed by a woman named Stephanie. And poor Stephanie, she sat through, as did Diane Montine, sat through multiple of my gray area thinking trainings when I was out in Steamboat. Because when I was out in Steamboat, I I spoke to uh, high school students, which I'll talk about in the C Block, but I gave in a span of... Barely, I don't even know it was 24 hours. I did four gray area thinking trainings. Poor Diane Muntean. She sat through every one of those. And Stephanie from the Health Partnership, I think, sat through three. Um, and and I've got to tell you, um, the reaction I received in Steamboat Springs um, from my trainings was just uh, unbelievable. Just incredibly welcoming people, very open people. And there were people of different colors in the audience. I mean, they it's not a very... <clears throat> a very diverse community, but they had some diverse people who were diverse in the audience. And I wasn't even back from Steamboat for 24 hours, and then I was in Mankato, Minnesota, standing in another church, that is the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Mankato, where I spoke about what it means to be transgender. I have a talk called Transgender 101. The UUC in Mankato also has a committee, um, in part headed by Reverend Rita Capizzi, Uh, And uh, Reverend Rita is a transplant from Buffalo, New York. And let me just tell you, um, they're darn lucky to have her because she is just a dynamo. And then they have several folks on their committee about trying to make their church and and to bring along their community about being more inclusive. And one of those people is a woman named Jane Shostag, um, who was my contact and who had seen me speak in Mankato a couple of years ago. So the, uh, the Unitarian Church in Mankato, they have a series, and uh, it's a smaller series, and I get to go back on November 14th to talk about bridging divides and gray area thinking about further talking about how to be inclusive of humans in the Mankato area. And so when I was there in Mankato at the UUC on that Thursday night, I was there at 7 p.m. I found myself standing in front of standing in the Unitarian church in front of more than 100 people of all walks. Um, That included retirees, police officers, therapists, some doctors, there were some trans people in the audience as well. And while I was there, while I was at the Unitarian church in Mankato, I talked about what it means to be transgender and how to be welcoming to people from my community. Um, both uh, speaking in Steamboat Springs and in Mankato were incredible experiences. Um, but I'm not sharing about them because about me. I mean, I don't, this is not about me, Ellie Krug. Look that I'm special. Rather, I'm sharing about both of these uh, talks, both of these organizations, the Steamboat Springs and Mankato, because they're incredible examples of community leadership. Um, uh, just like I'm sure Grace Lutheran Church on October 6th last night uh, will have been that. And the reason I am highlighting this is because this is so important in our country right now that ordinary people are deciding that not only will they be inclusive humans on their own, but that their organizations, that is their churches, Um, will spend time and money and all of the crap that goes with organizing things, um, that they will do that and bring that to the community at large to raise the larger question of how do we treat people who are, quote, different from, quote, us. There's great value in this. It's potentially way more sustainable than when employers simply do it because... Um, inclusivity values can be reminded of every week at the church, at church services. And that, that's very important because human inclusivity only can be sustained by repetition, that you need to continue to hear that message on an ongoing, daily daily in a perfect world, but at least weekly basis um, and about how important it is that we get past our fear of other of people who are quote other, and that how we be mindful of the need to be inclusive of other humans, to make them feel that they belong. And, and having faith-based organization lead such initiatives allows for far more people to attend. It's not a closed loop, most of the time when I get invited to go and speak to organizations, employers, or colleges, or universities. I mean, I was just at the University of Minnesota last week speaking to educators and a lot of people from the athletic department, but it was closed to the public. I mean, you, you your ordinary Joe Schmo off the street couldn't go to that. And I'm not being critical of that because that's the way it works. But when churches, Take up the mantle for human inclusivity and say, we are going to go forward and educate the community, educate our membership, but the community at large. It allows for anybody to come, anybody to hear and get this kind of work. Most of all, I'm sharing this about Steamboat Springs and Mankato because it's about leading, leading, there is no, trust me, there is no coordination in this area about human inclusivity. We have no czar. We've got nobody at the top that's saying, well, I think we should do this here. We should do that. Oh, you need to do a little extra work over and that. No one is leading. It is a hodgepodge. And I'm caught up in that hodgepodge. I mean, I'm going like from all other places and certainly my gray area thinking is a wonderful training um, that has unifying themes, but you've got people just doing stuff all over the place. And ironically, what I heard while I was out in Steamboat is that the city of Steamboat Springs has realized that now it needs to do something. For its team members, that its uh, city team members and maybe county team members. But that's only after the Methodist Church, the heart of Seamboat Methodist Church, began to talk about the need for human inclusivity and started talking about this human inclusivity series, being human series, that they were coming. So those of you listening and wondering, what can, quote, can I do? These are your models. If you want, email me at lejkrug at gmail.com and I'll put you in touch with Diane and Jane for them to give you first-hand tips on how to get your organization started and how to be more inclusive. Finally, all of this encapsulates two things that are necessary, using your imagination and being curious about the world. We cannot move the needle or change the landscape without either. Imagination, curiosity, I'll throw in leadership, and a lot of bravery. Because that's what both of those churches reflect. All right. I'll be back in a minute with our C-Block. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. If you like what you hear, follow me on Twitter. I'm trying to get my Twitter followership up. The handle is at, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec. Thanks. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey, everyone. Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. One opportunity is at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota, on October 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. There, I'll be presenting my human inclusivity turning, Gray Area Thinking. Go to graceandover.org for details. This is a free event. That's me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, trying to make the world better. I hope to see you on October 6th at Grace Lutheran Church. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in
1: personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com.
0: And we're back on AM 950, Ellie Krug here, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, So we're in my C block where we talk about my work, which of course I just talked about in part of the B block. But but actually, hopefully you understood I was really trying to highlight the churches in uh, Steamboat Springs and Mankato. Um, Before I get started, I want to make sure I put a plug out for my October 17th open house um, in downtown Minneapolis from 5 to 8.0. I'm going to talk about my work. It's an opportunity to come and meet me. We're going to, you can take your picture with me. We'll do that selfie thing, or maybe somebody will take a picture of us. Um, we'll have food and drinks, um, like appetizer kind of food. And um, I would love for you to come. If you're interested in learning more, go to elliekrug.com. Go to, the, go to the upcoming engagements page. Look for October 17th. There's a link on that because you need to register. It doesn't cost anything. I just have to have you register because I've got to have an idea of the number of people that are coming. All right, well, I'm not done with Steamboat Springs because in addition to doing four gray area thinking trainings, um, I um, spoke to 800 students at the high school um, uh, in two different groups, 400s of each. And I'll tell you, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea how that was going to go with those students. And part of it involved, um, you know, the, the talk was about how we are tribal and how we other people and how to get past that. Um, But it involved uh, some audience participation and actually asking the uh, students to stand to self-identify about how they've been othered. And I'll tell you, I had no idea how that would go. I didn't know whether they would participate or not. I asked that the administrators and the teachers in the room participate um, and and act as leaders. And next thing I know, the students were doing it. And it was just quite the sight to behold. But after I got done with that, after 800 students, two one-hour talks to them, um, I then went and spoke to the Steamboat Springs uh, Gay-Straight Alliance, so it's called GSA. And so this is the group that the school recognizes, allows them to have a group of gay and lesbian and, sec- and bisexual and transgender students. It gives them a safe, sp- safe space. They're, they had an educator there who oversees it, who's a sponsor. Her name is Beth. I th- think she taught English, I believe. Um, and they brought me there after I spoke to the two students. It was over the lunch hour, and let me just tell you, I I walked into a room packed with students. I mean, there must have been forty people in the room. All the seats take almost all the seats taken. I, I I sat in one of them because I didn't want to be the well. I leaned on one of them because I didn't want to be this towering person, like oh look at me. Um, and then we had uh, some adults uh, standing along the walls. Um, uh, you know, and Beth, uh, the teacher who led the group, she, you could tell that she was one of those cool teachers. You remember that from high school. I mean, there was every, everyone had that cool teacher in their experience. I can tell that she was someone that the students felt that she could trust. Um, you know, and, um, and so anyway, so I went and I, you know, I had no idea. We had no set agenda. And it was kind of like Beth threw out, what do we want to do? Do we want to ask Ellie questions or do we want just here, let her talk? Thankfully, they wanted to ask me questions. I got some wonderful questions from the students about, you know, what do you say when somebody says, you know, to you that you're so gay? I'm sure uh, parents uh, who are listening to this right now have heard their children say that that's a common thing that people say as a way to other people, not necessarily even believing the other person is gay, but just as a way of like making fun of them. Okay, so I got asked that question. I got asked, you know, what you know, what do you say? And I'll tell you, Ellie Krug, the trainer on this stuff. I fumbled my answer. I really did. I fumbled it. But then one of the other students in the class said, well, you know, if you get asked that, then what you do is you just ask the question back, which is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by saying you're so gay? I mean, I'm not quite understanding. Oh, it's just, I thought that was a wonderful response put out by a human that was much younger than me. And it's not even in the business I'm in. There was much back and forth with the students. We had a lot of laughter. Um, and standing in that room reminded me of what, what it means to struggle with living authentically. You know, we had some students that were out to their parents um, and others, um, a minority, but others that were not out to the parents that were scared to death of how their parents or loved ones would react. Um, but I will tell you, I was in awe the entire time Awe's, in AWE awe, the entire time I was standing with those students because <clears throat> they were so much farther ahead at their age than I could have ever expected me to be back in the 19, uh, late 60s and early 70s. Um, you know, and some of the students in the room weren't even LGBTQ, they were just allies. They wanted to be good to other humans, they wanted to support them. My role in that room I viewed simply as somebody as a cheerleader. Yes, um, maybe a role model, um, as much as a 62-year-old transgender woman whose voice doesn't match her appearance can be a role model. But most of all, I knew that I was in a room filled with humans struggling for authenticity, struggling to find their footing in a world of arbitrary rules about gender and sexuality. And most importantly, filled in that room were people with self-doubt and hurt and fear. The most that I could do was to tell them that they were worthy and that you better believe I told them that. And I said that to them several times that they mattered. I told them that as well and that they were worth the effort that it was taking for them to live as their true selves. Um, You know, um, I'm just, you know, it was a long day that day. I mean, I, I was on my feet. I trained and spoke literally more than 12 hours. But I've got to tell you, it was the most rewarding part of my whole trip to Ste- Steamboat Springs, maybe the most re- rewarding part of, of, of the whole week. And if you're an educator and you're listening right now, and if you think there'd be value in me coming to your school to talk to your students, will you please reach out to me? Because I will do that. We will make it work. Um, financially, don't worry. We'll make it work. And I would like that. Ellie Krug it's the email is Krug at gmail.com all right we've run out of time a big thanks to our sponsors Brendan Electrolysis let Bev know I sent you because she does incredibly great work and our other sponsor Better Futures Minnesota which gives people a second chance a big thanks to my producer Brett Johnson we had some technical problems and Brett navigated those this morning way to go Brett and a big thanks to you my listeners thanks for tuning in thanks for putting up with my emotion on the radio and most of all thank you for going out in the world and being good to humans Bye till next week.